Can you think of a greater privilege than that of God hearing us when we pray? Is there a greater privilege than the God of the universe turning his ear to listen when his children pray? I can't think of a a greater privilege. And yet we struggle so much with the, the habit of praying. We struggle to make it a habit. And though prayer is so simple... We struggle for it to be a reality, a consistent reality in our lives. So I want to talk to you about prayer, that habit of grace. And we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 6. So turn there with me, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump right into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And we're going to look at the section of this sermon that deals with Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you are physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. How about that music this morning? Awesome. I got so excited at one point, I almost turned on my mic to help Travis out. But I'm just kidding. Matthew 6, verse 5, the Bible says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, and these are the words that we just heard sung. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. And we count it a great privilege to gather as a faith family. Lord, to gather in your presence. And to sing our praises to you. And Lord, now as we talk about these habits of grace, I pray that you would draw near. Give us understanding by your Spirit. Help us to understand the great privileges of prayer. And how to build into our lives the consistent practice of prayer. And we'll thank you, Lord, for that grace. May we, Lord, in these moments understand better. The finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's his, his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I began a sermon series at the beginning of this month titled, Habits 
of grace. We'll finish the sermon series next week, then we will begin Galatians. But I encourage you at the beginning of this year to build into your life habits that are going to help you grow in your faith. Habits that are going to put you in the pathway of Christ so you can encounter Him and encounter His transforming work. I define habits of grace as those God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly as a response to His grace and by the power of His grace in order to encounter the Lord and be changed. In the book titled Habits of Grace by David Mathis, he gives us three categories of these habits. And these three categories I find tremendously helpful. The first category is hear God's voice. When we interact with the scriptures, we are hearing God's voice. When I preach that sermon on the Bible, I talk to you about reading the Bible and studying the Bible and memorizing the Bible and meditating on the Bible so we can hear God speak to us consistently. The second category we're going to talk about this morning, that is, have God's ear. That speaks of prayer, that when His children pray, God turns His ear to listen. An amazing reality and privilege. And the third category we're going to talk about next week, belong to His body. That means that we should be a part of the body of Christ in service and fellowship. And we'll talk about what that looks like next Sunday. But I want to focus in on this category of having God's ear. I want to talk to you about prayer. Now, we need to understand that God hears us when we pray, not because we're good. We cannot come into the presence of a holy God based upon our own merit and righteousness because we have none. We are sinners. We don't deserve the presence of God. We don't deserve for Him to turn His ear to listen, but that's why Jesus came. He left heaven and came to earth taking on human flesh. And Jesus lived a perfect, matchless life. And then He went to the cross for you and for me. He shed His blood. He took the wrath of God that we sinners deserve. He died in our place. He took our punishment. And then after He died on the cross, He was buried. And early on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He's alive today. And if any sinner comes to Him, seeing their need for salvation, and they turn from their sin and place their faith and trust in Christ alone, He will apply the blood He shed on the cross to your spiritual life and wash away your sins. So there's no longer a barrier of impurity between you and a holy God. Now, because your sins have been washed away, you can come boldly into the presence of God and be heard when you pray. So we need to understand that prayer is a privilege that was purchased by Christ. We don't deserve it. We can only go into the presence of God based upon the merits and righteousness of Christ. We need to understand that if we are believers in Jesus... That privilege is available. And I want to give you seven prayer principles this morning that I intend to be very practical ways for you to begin to build consistently the habit of prayer in your life. Now, I want to say this on the front end. None of us in this room have prayer figured out, including me. In fact, in some ways, I feel like I'm just beginning to learn how to pray. 
mean, not that I haven't been a person of prayer, but I'm, I'm learning some things that are helping me to pray more consistently and more fervently. And I want to share some principles with you today related to that. Now, there are seven principles, about two minutes apiece. We'll be done in 14 minutes. First service laughed too when I said that. But, but I, want, I want to just walk you through these seven prayer principles. And again, the, the goal here is not to make you feel bad about a lack of prayer. We've all got room to grow. Can I get an amen? My goal is to encourage you to take hold of some practical things and get started. So here's the first prayer principle. Read the Bible first. Everyone say first. Read the Bible first and meditate on it by talking to God about it. Read the Bible first and meditate on it by talking to God about it. Look with me in Psalm 119. This psalm is all about the Word of God. And we see the psalmist here interacting with the Word of God, the Scriptures, but also talking to God throughout the entire process, reading and praying, praying and reading. For example, over in Psalm 119, verse 18, the psalmist says, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I have that verse written in the front of the Bible I use in my time alone with God. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. So he's saying, as I read, would you show me some things, God? I can see how marvelous your word is. And then in verse 27, the psalmist says, Make me understand the way of your precepts. I will meditate on your wondrous works. So God, as I read, would you help me to understand? And I'm going to meditate and think about your word. So that, look at what it says in verse 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So God, as I read and I think about your wondrous works and you help me to understand your word, I want to align my life with your word and run in your ways. But notice here the interaction. The word and prayer, prayer in the word, meditation. They are, inter they are interchangeable in this chapter. So as the psalmist reads the word, the psalmist is... Praying, And I submit to you that you and I need to make sure before we pray, we need to warm our hearts up by reading and encountering and thinking about the Scriptures. I have a quote here from George Mueller. It's a lengthy quote, but it's very profound. He was uh, an 18th century Christian gentleman who founded orphanages around Bristol, England, and was used by God to change countless lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remarkable man of faith and prayer. And here's what he said about his own prayer life. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. So he said, first thing I needed to give attention to was my soul. How many of you wake up in the morning and your soul's not happy in the Lord? Raise your hand. We, we need a little warming up, don't we? He goes on to say, the first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious word was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching as it were into every verse to get blessing out of it. The result I found to be almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes my soul has been led to confession or to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication, so that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer but to meditation, it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. 
He writes, when thus I have been for a while making confession or intercession or supplication or have given thanks, I go on to the next words or verse, turning all as I go on into prayer for myself or others, as the word may lead to it, but still continually keeping before me that food for my own soul is the object of my meditation. So Mueller says, I needed to warm my heart up, and I warmed my heart up by reading the word and thinking about it, talking to God about it, And that put me in an attitude of prayer. John Piper says this. Open the Bible, start reading it, and pause at every verse and turn it into a prayer. That's how you meditate on the Word of God. You know, on a cold morning, if it's really cold outside, you may go out into your garage or driveway and you'll crank the car up, turn the heater on, you'll go back inside and maybe finish your cup of coffee. And the goal is that the engine gets warm, that the heat warms up, and so when you get back in the car, it's nice and toasty, right? You you don't want to get into a, a cold car. Well, that's the point of reading the Bible and meditating. As we read the Bible and think about it, God begins to warm our heart up, and now we're ready to pray. Our soul is is happy in the Lord. So what I often try to do is is I'll talk to God about what I just read in the scriptures. And as I do that, I'm meditating and my heart is warming up and getting ready to pray. And so the first thing is very important. Before you try to engage in faithful, consistent prayer, read your Bible faithfully, consistently, think about what you're reading, meditate on it, talk to God about it, and your heart will be warmed up to pray. Which leads to the second prayer principle. Learn to practice form and freedom in prayer. Learn to practice form and freedom in prayer. Now turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6 where we began. I read to you what is often called the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And I think this is a profound because you and I should use an outline to keep us focused and to ensure that we are incorporating all aspects of prayer. How many of you have ever struggled with losing your focus when you try to pray? Raise your hand. Of course, all of us have. You pray and your mind wanders and you try to get back on track and it's just kind of hard. And and sometimes you just kind of throw in the towel and say, I'll try again the next day. And your prayer life feels weak and anemic. You just can't stay focused. We all deal with that. And so I believe that Jesus gives us this prayer to teach us that we need an outline to keep us focused, make sure we're incorporating all the different aspects of prayer. Years ago, I read a book by Bill Hybels called Too Busy Not to Pray. In that book, he shares an outline that I used a lot for years. The outline is Acts, A-C-T-S. The A stands for adoration. You begin your prayer time by adoring God, praising Him. C stands for confession. You confess your sin to the Lord and get right with Him. T stands for thanksgiving. You thank the Lord for what He's done for you and your family and in your life. And the S is supplication, which means you ask God for things. And, and I use that prayer outline to help me immensely to keep me focused as I prayed. But for the past uh, few years, I find myself using This prayer in Matthew chapter 6, because it's the prayer that Jesus gave us. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. I prefer to call it the model prayer, because I believe that's what this prayer is meant to be. 
The model prayer is a reliable prayer outline. A reliable prayer outline. Maybe you've heard the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, used to just repeat over and over again. Uh, I grew up playing sports. I remember in high school and our soccer team, before the game began, we'd get out on the field and we'd put our hands in together and we would recite this model prayer from Matthew chapter 6. We had no clue what it was about or weren't thinking about the Lord at all, but we prayed the model prayer. We just repeated it, right? And it really meant nothing. Because the model prayer is not meant to be repeated over and over again. In fact, right before he gives us this model, he says, don't use meaningless repetition. That's what he says. It's not meant to just be repeated over and over and over and over again. It is an outline to guide our prayer lives. The illustration I like to use is when I was in English in high school and learning how to write essays, I remember that our English teacher, uh, Miss Daniel, clearly remember Miss Daniel, Miss Daniel gave us uh, an outline and, it, and the topic says something like this, uh, introduction, one paragraph. And then the next part of the outline was body of the essay, three paragraphs. And the, the bottom was conclusion, one paragraph. And we're learning how to, to write papers. And, and the goal was you didn't sign your name on the sheet of the outline and just turn it back in. That would be a failing grade, right? It was our job to fill out the outline. Well, that's what the model prayer is all about. It's an outline that you and I are to fill in. So here's what it looks like uh, for me when, when I'm really uh, consistently using the model prayer as an outline. I, I may begin by just saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's my cue to begin praising God. I'll praise him maybe for what I read in the scripture that morning. I'll praise him for my salvation, for my family. I'll thank him for all that he's done. And I'll just spend some time praising uh, my great God. Hallowed be your name. That's what it means. Hallowed be your name. And, and I'll, I'll just praise him. When I get done with that section of praising him, I'll, go, I'll just quote the next section. Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I'll begin to pray about that. Lord, I wanna, today I want to deny myself, take up my cross and follow you. I want to I die so that you can have your way in my life. I want your kingdom to come. I want you to be king of every area of my life and of my home and of my church family. I, I want your kingdom to come in a greater way. I want to see people get saved so more can come into your kingdom. I want to be aligned with your will. I want to follow you wherever you lead. And I just spend some time under that, that line just aligning myself with the Lord. And I get done with that. I'll go to the next section. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's my cue to begin to ask God to meet needs in my life. And I'll just ask God to, to, to answer some prayers in my life and pray on behalf of others. And, and I'll lift those requests up to God. We'll talk some more about asking God in a few moments. And I get done with that. I get to the section that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's my cue to confess my sins. Say, Lord, there's some things in my life I, I don't want there. I messed up, I blew it. Would you cleanse me of my sin and, and, and help me to grow and to go in a new direction? I want to be right with you. And, and Lord, I can't accept your forgiveness if I'm not willing to extend your forgiveness to others. So if there's anyone in my life, Lord, that I'm angry at, someone's offended me, they may not even know it, but they've offended me, God, I forgive them. I'm not going to withhold forgiveness when I so willingly grasp for, for your forgiveness, so would you cleanse my heart and help me to live right in my relationships with others? And then I get to that next section, 
where he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'll spend some time talking to God about, you know, guarding me, guarding my family. Help us, help us be vigilant. Help us to be on guard. Help us to see temptation coming from miles away. Deliver us from evil. Praying against the enemy who wants to destroy us. Amen? This morning, even this morning, I told Claire, I said, I've just sensed just spiritual warfare in, in, in family life, in church family life, people we know. It's just, there's a lot of just tough stuff going on right now. Maybe it's because we're talking about prayer this morning. Satan doesn't like that, right? He doesn't like that at all. So we need to pray uh, these, these types of prayers that are focused on God protecting us from the enemy. Make us vigilant that we will not stumble headlong into sin and destruction. And then I close with, with praise and pray in Jesus' name. And I just use the, the model prayer as an outline for my own prayer life. It works for me. It, it helps me to incorporate the different aspects of prayer and make sure that I'm staying focused in my prayer life. I would encourage you to, to use it. I encourage you to make sure you have an outline to use. And I believe the model prayer is a reliable outline because it came from Jesus himself. But, now listen, don't hesitate to pray outside of the outline. Remember, prayer is not a religious ritual. It is a conversation with your Father. Right? So, don't get so caught up in the outline that you can't, you don't feel the freedom to talk to God about maybe some area in your life that you need to spend some extended time talking to God about. He's your father. He wants you to talk to him. I think I said it clearly this weekend. Hey, I got two things I want to talk to you about. Now, when we sat down to talk, I didn't listen through things and say, okay, we're done. There was an outline, things I wanted to discuss with her, but then we had a conversation about those two things. She's my wife, right? We talked about it. This outline is not meant to keep you from freedom in prayer. I mean, there are times when you just need to maybe put the outline down and just cry out to God about something going on in your life. And, and, and the Lord honors that. He's our Father. He, he calls us to come to Him with our, with our needs and concerns and our burdens and, and all of that. And so learn to practice form and freedom in prayer. If you don't have form, you'll lose your focus. If you don't practice freedom, then it, become, it can become empty ritual. Amen? Use form and freedom in prayer. Third, prayer principle. And this is, this is so good. Use the words of Scripture to grow your prayer vocabulary. Use the words of Scripture to, to grow your prayer vocabulary. Turn to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. And as you're finding your place there, verse 1, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever struggled in your prayer life with saying the same old things about the same old things? You find yourself just kind of repeating yourself. And you're not really praying uh, with vitality and fervency and substance, you're just kind of repeating yourself. And, and the repetition of the words comes to really not mean much to you. For example, I've heard people that hone in on a particular title for the Lord. And they repeat that title over and over again. Like they may say, Father, 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 Father. And in a five-minute prayer, they may say the word Father hundreds of times. 
or Lord, 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 Lord. And every sentence begins with Lord, Lord, Lord. Now, is there anything wrong with calling God Father? Absolutely not. Jesus taught us to pray our Father who is in heaven. We need to call him Father. So there's, there's, there's grace in that. And understanding he is our Father. We are adopted. We need to call him Father often. Is there anything wrong with calling God Lord? Of course not. He is Lord of the universe and should be Lord of our lives. Nothing wrong with calling God Lord. But when we take hold of one name or title and repeat it over and over again, sometimes we can lose sight of what those titles mean. And it can even become what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. It can become meaningless repetition. And so let me encourage you to try growing your prayer vocabulary. Look for biblical ways to address God. In other words, look for some titles for the Lord given the Scripture and, and incorporate those into your prayer life. For example, I love how Travis had us read uh, the beginning of Psalm 18 to show us that the song we're about to sing comes straight from the Bible. And look at all the titles for God in Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. What if tomorrow morning you got up and you called the Lord your strength? I feel weak today, but God, you're my strength. You've grown your prayer vocabulary. Look at the next verse. The Lord is my rock. When's the last time you called God your rock? My fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. You just saw several titles for God right there that you can incorporate in your own prayer life. Tomorrow you can call God your stronghold. And think about what that means, right? Your strength, your rock, your fortress. And all of a sudden when you incorporate this new prayer vocabulary, your prayers take on more intensity and vibrancy. I love Psalm 4 verse 1. When David prays, answer me when I call, O God, my righteousness. That's a great title for God. God, my righteousness. I'm not righteous, but you are. You've given me your righteousness as a gift. Call him, O God, my righteousness tomorrow. I like the prayer of Daniel in Daniel 9 verse 4 when he begins, O Lord, the great and awesome God. Instead of, Lord, 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 Father, 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 Oh God, oh Lord, the great and awesome God. You see how that can, can warm your heart as you pray? I like the prayer over in Acts 4, verse 24 of the early church when they begin praying, Sovereign Lord. It's a great title to use calling out to God. So look for biblical ways to address God. And I promise you that will grow your prayer life. Secondly, use the words of Scripture in praising God. Say, wait, I want to praise God. I want to, I want to thank Him and praise Him and exalt Him. I don't really know what to say. Well, the words of Scripture give you plenty of things to say. For example, you can use Psalm 100, verse 5. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Lord, thank you that your love never runs out. Your love never fails. It goes on and on and on. Thank you, Lord, for that. Or you can use Psalm 103. Here's how that psalm begins. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. And then the rest of that psalm is a, a rehearsal of all the ways the psalmist has seen God bless his life. And I promise you, as you read through that list of blessings, you'll see some ways God has blessed you. And you have this vocabulary to say, God, thank you. Thank you for lifting me from the pit. Thank you for your healing in my life. And on and on and on and on. Use the words of Scripture to give you new vocabulary to praise God with. How about using the words of Scripture in making requests to God? Say, I need to ask God to do some things in my life, but I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to ask Him. Well, let's just say, for example, that you have a problem with your tongue. Anybody in here have a problem with your tongue? Don't, don't raise your hands. But let's just say you got a problem with your tongue. That, you know, you need to be quiet more often. Or your tongue's being used to, to, to destroy or devastate or discourage. Or express your anger. How about praying this prayer? Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You've taken a scripture and you've used it as your own request to God. Or... You say, wait, I, I got sin in my life. I want to confess before the Lord. How do, I, how do I confess my sin? Well, turn to Psalm 51, which is an entire psalm about confession where David confesses his sin after he sins with Bathsheba. But there's a line in there that I use often when I confess my own sin where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. You, you, you've taken the vocabulary of Scripture and used it for your own life. I've blown it. I've messed up. I'm not where I need to be. My heart is not clean. So, Lord, would you create in me a clean heart? You're engaging in real, in-depth conversation with the Lord because your prayer vocabulary has grown. Here at our church, we encourage you to pray for missions. If you go through that door to the missions wall, there's a prayer card for you to to take, and you can pray for local needs and global needs. One of the needs you'll see to pray over is an unreached people group. Every month there's a new unreached people group to pray over, and this is a group of people who have little or no access to the gospel somewhere in our world. Sometimes it's thousands or tens of thousands or even millions of people who have little to no access for the gospel. And we say, hey, pray for these folks. You say, how do I pray for those folks? Where do I start? How about the words of Jesus? Over in Luke 10, verse 2, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's a great way to begin to pray for an unreached people group. Lord, would you raise up folks to go to them and share the gospel, send out laborers into the harvest, and maybe even be ready that God may tap you on the shoulder and say, I want you to go into that harvest. Or some harvest around the world. But we are taking the words of scripture. And we're asking God to do some things. Based upon his word. T.M. Moore writes. Nothing using scripture to address the Lord. Nothing has brought more vigor, satisfaction and consistency to my own prayers. As the single discipline. If you want to read some more about this. Donald Whitney wrote a great book called Praying the Bible. It's a thin little hardback book. 
praying the Bible, where he gives you some really practical handles how to incorporate praying the Scriptures back to the Lord. It's a really encouraging, simple book. And it will enhance your prayer life. Here's the fourth principle. You ready? This is deep. You ready? Ask, ask, ask. Over in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. James says, We have not because we ask not. The God of the universe, think about this, invites you and me to come to him and ask him for things. By the old hymn says, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such that none could ever ask too much. The king of the universe invites you, invites me to come into his presence and ask him to meet needs in our lives, our families, to work in other people's lives. He invites us to ask. Isn't that amazing? And and the Bible tells us that God answers prayer. There in Matthew 7, he says, Even imperfect fathers don't give their children stones when they ask for bread or snakes when they ask for fish. If you fathers on this earth, you evil fathers, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God respond when you ask him to meet needs in your life? God answers prayer. So you and I should ask specifically. Specifically. When you ask God to meet specific needs, you'll see it when he answers that specific need. If you pray in broad generalizations, you know, Lord, bless my family. Now, it's okay to ask God to bless your family, but maybe ask some specific uh, things about how he could bless your family. And then when you see God answer those specific requests, you see, oh, God really is responding to my prayers. Ask specifically. And to ask specifically, you and I need to organize our prayer requests. This is so important. I don't know about you, but there's so many needs out there that sometimes it can get overwhelming praying over all the things I need to pray over. So we need to organize our prayer requests. And so I want to give you a tool that I found to be very, very helpful. It's called the Prayer Mate app. There's a picture of it right there on the screen. You can get it from the Apple Store. It's also available through Android uh, as well. And you can uh, get this app. And basically it's just a little organizer for you to enter in prayer needs. And then you tell it how much frequency uh, you want to pray over those needs with. And it brings them up daily uh, as you tell them to, to pray over those needs. Now listen, a 99-cent notebook and pen from Walmart is just as effective. But you need to have something to organize your prayer life, right? Something, some kind of practical way to, to write down things and begin to pray over needs in your life. So I have the Prayer Mate app, and it's on my phone. It's always with me. 
and it has them set up for the day, and I just swipe through different things. I have categories. I pray for my family every day. I pray for my church family. I pray for church planting. I pray for uh, missions and, and, and missionaries I know, and, and, I, and I have all these different requests, and it cycles them through regularly, so I'm praying regularly over the different people I've entered in or the different needs I've entered in, and it helps me to be consistent and, and, and more frequent in my prayer life to make sure I'm, I'm covering different areas I need to pray about. So organize your prayer requests. Write them down, get an app, something, get index cards, something is going to help you to organize your prayer request, and you won't feel so overwhelmed. And then after you ask specifically, make sure you're asking confidently. Begin to watch for answers to your requests. Let's just say that uh, you're praying for one of your children, and you're praying that they would be more generous. But I want to see a growth in generosity in their life. And, and you begin to pray for their generosity. And then maybe the next week or maybe the next month or somewhere down the line, you see them do something generous out of the blue. And you think that is a direct answer to prayer. Right? When you ask specifically and God answers, you see that request answered and it gives you confidence to keep on praying. I mean, it really... It really uh, fires you up when you see God answering these specific things. So ask confidently and watch for answers to your request. I heard this from Adrian Rogers, one of the most profound quotes I've ever heard. The devil cannot stop God from answering, so he will try to stop you from asking. Think about that. Satan can't stop God, can he? So Satan's strategy... Is going to be to stop you from asking. Maybe that's why we're experiencing spiritual warfare this week. Because we're talking about prayer. Satan, listen. Satan does not want you to pray consistently. He does not want this to be a habit in your life. He wants you to feel overwhelmed and discouraged. And like it's just too much. So you will not pray. But listen. If you ask. He cannot stop God from answering. So you and I need to ask, ask, ask God to meet needs. Which leads to number five. The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. Over in Luke 11... The disciples hear Jesus pray, and there's something about his prayer life, the, the intimacy with his Father, the power, the vibrancy, the fervency. And they say, we want to pray like that. Teach us to pray. And that's Luke's record of the model prayer that Jesus gives them. He says, when you pray, say this. In other words, if you're going to grow in prayer, you've got to open up your mouth and say something, right? You've got to pray. We have more prayer resources than we've ever had before. You can go to a bookstore or to online and find all kinds of prayer. I have shelves of books on prayer in my study. Shelves. And there are prayer Bible studies and prayer helps and there are all these things. And yet the church probably prays less than it ever has before. The best way to learn how to pray is just to start praying. First church I pastored was in Eardoo, Florida, on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, Mount Gilead Baptist Church. 
And I'm so glad those sermons were not recorded. There's no record of them. Don't look. No record. Because there's no telling what I said. I mean, green? I was green, right? I still have a long way to go, but I'm telling you, I was really, really green. And I learned this principle. The only way to learn how to preach, you got to just get there and preach. And you learn as you go, right? And that's how it is with prayer. The best way to learn how to pray is just to start praying. Practical things that you can incorporate that will help you out. But you got to just do it, right? Like Jesus said, you've got you to go into the, the secret place and close the door behind you. And start praying. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. Number six. I'm going to start meddling now. You ready? Periodically incorporate fasting. It's interesting in, in Matthew 6, we preachers love to say, Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. He just assumed that you'd be a person of prayer. Well, guess what? The next section after his section on prayer says, when you fast, not if you fast. But what in the world is fasting? Is that some kind of weird religious thing that weird people do? Well, Jesus assumed that his followers would fast. And fasting is basically denying yourself something you want in order to focus more exclusively on God. That's what it is. When you fast from food for a time, you have hunger pains. And those hunger pains remind you, I need God. And you have time, because if you're not eating, you have time where you would normally be eating. You know, eating consumes a lot of our time. Did you notice that? If you're not eating regularly, hey, you can spend that time, guess what? Praying. Fasting makes you more sensitive to the things of God. I could give you stories. This is a sermon in and of itself. But fasting makes you more sensitive to the Lord and enhances your prayer life. And so I want to encourage you to periodically incorporate fasting. Now, listen, I'm working on this myself. I'm not where I need to be when it comes to fasting. And here's what I've learned. If I don't, if I don't plan a day and put it on the calendar, it ain't going to happen. Something will fill the space where I need to be fasting, and usually it's eating with somebody. <laughs> so let's, let's think about some strategic times. Maybe it's just lunchtime one day uh, next week or next month. You take a lunchtime, and instead of going out to eat or eating at your desk, you, you spend some time with your Bible open praying, asking God just to do a work in your life and speak to you in a fresh way. Or maybe it's taking a... Maybe a day, fasting all day long, or there, there's resources, books you can read uh, about that. Uh, a few years ago, it's been more than a few years ago, but uh, years ago, I called the church to a fast, and I called the church to fast for a week from media, from television, internet, all of that, and I, I said, let's do it together as a church family. And so we did that, and I had some great emails come in about the ways God was using that in the family's life. You know, I said, hey, have family, worship together, play board games, read, you know, but turn the TV off. Because and, 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 you can fast from more than just food. The, the general tenor scriptures, you fast from food. But there are some other things you can set aside that you'll miss. And when you start missing it, it's a reminder you need the Lord, right? And so I uh, challenged the church to, to lay aside media for a week. And I said, when we come together next Sunday... I want to call you to fast all day long. Don't eat anything. Just drink water. So that Sunday morning, a lot of folks took me up on it. And we came together to worship. And I'll never ask Baptists to fast from coffee again. 
I mean, I may say don't eat food, but please get a cup of coffee. It was like preaching to the walking dead. It really was. It was, it was rough. Baptists need their coffee, right? They do. But I heard some neat testimonies about how God used that. People saying, I've never fasted before. It was a new experience for me to just to lay aside some things that are such a, a big part of my life to give me more time to focus upon the Lord. John Piper writes this, If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God. And it can be awakened. I invite you, he writes, to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say with some simple fast, this much, O oh God, I want you. So periodically look for opportunities to incorporate fasting in your life and see how God uses that to enhance your prayer life. And here's number seven. And this may be the most important thing I say today. Ask the Spirit of God for help. Prayer is so simple, but it's so challenging, isn't it? It just really is. So challenging. We all have room to grow, all of us. And we need to understand that the Spirit of God indwells us as believers in Jesus. And one of the things He does is He helps us pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the Spirit. It, it means that the Spirit of God is, is in your prayer. He, he helps you to pray. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 say that when we are weak in that we don't always know how to pray or what we should pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words and prays on your behalf. That's amazing. When you get in one of those de desperate situations in life and you don't even know what to say, the Spirit of God is helping you, even praying on your behalf. That's encouraging, isn't it? The Spirit of God lives in you, and He'll help you to pray. Ask Him for help. Do you remember the first sermon in this series? I said, if this sermon series will cause us to cry out, Help! It will have been a success. As we think about prayer and our own deficiencies and discouragements, let's cry out to the Spirit of God who lives in us. Help! Help me to be consistent. Help me to be fervent. Help me to be vibrant. Help me to pray. And see what God does. The Holy Spirit indwells us and will give us the power to pray. So here's the point. Here's the point. Seven principles. Read the Bible first and meditate on it by talking to God about it. Learn to practice form and freedom in prayer. Use the words of Scripture to grow your prayer vocabulary. Ask, ask, ask. Best way to learn how to pray is to what? Periodically incorporate fasting and ask the Spirit of God for help. Here's the point. With God's help. Start praying and keep praying until it becomes a delightful habit. The goal of this sermon is not to make you feel like you'll never get there when it comes to prayer. The goal of this sermon is for you to say, you know what? With God's help, this is doable. I could be mighty in prayer. 
and make a difference on my knees.